Okay, so because it was a Shredish day, I just want to cover some of the halachas that are related to the, the laws of Yalvi during benching. And then I wrote down six or seven interesting halachas regarding Rishchidosh davening that I think a lot of people don't know. Let's start with benching. Now, this is a little more tedious, but I have to just go through it. Now, we know that during benching you have to say Yalvi Okay. I'm not going through what if you forgot, what if you're not sure, what point of benching, those, those are not for now. I wanted to talk more about what happens if you start a meal on Rosh Chodesh and it continues till past Rosh Chodesh, or vice versa. You start before Rosh Chodesh and it continues on to Rosh Chodesh. Now these are halachas that are mamish negeya. I can tell you I was asked, and, and you know, I, I, one answer I wasn't 100% clear, so I'm hoping the person listens to this so that he'll get the proper uh, response. So let's start, let's start with you start on Shabbos, by the way, this is true for Rosh Chodesh, this is true for Shabbos of Ritzei, this is true for Yom Tif, Yal Yavai, uh, Chanukah, and Purim, Alanisim. This is in general, you have where you started the meal during Yom Tif, during Shabbos, during Rosh Chodesh, and you kept going. So, it's Negea tonight, you started your meal at 7.30, and you had a nice long meal, and by the time you're ready to bench, it's already not, not Rosh Chodesh anymore, it's not Shabbos anymore, it's not Yal Yavai, whatever. So the question is, what, what do you do during benching? So let's start systematically. You started on Shabbos or on Yom Tov or on Rish Chodesh and you continued your meal into post Rish Chodesh. So the halacha is, we're all familiar with this, you say Yal V'yavo. I prove that we're all familiar with this. This is what we do every single Shabbos, right? You start Shalosh this on Shabbos. It goes into Shabbos being over, right? You're going past Bein Hashmashis. You're going into when Shabbos is over. And you're benching, and we all say Ritzei. Because the halacha is, you go by the beginning of the meal. So if you started eating your meal on Rish Chodesh, even if you finish your meal post Rish Chodesh, you say Yalav Okay, I have three more, and then happy to take questions. Now, what if you started your meal on Rish Chodesh, continued into Matzei Rish Chodesh, but in mid- the middle, you already daven Mayrev. Okay? So, tonight, you're eating your meal. If you don't daven Mayrev and you continue your meal, then you say Yalav Yavu, even though it's no longer Rish Chodesh, because you started it when it was Rish Chodesh. But the halacha is that once you daven Mayrev, that's it. It's over. By you davening Mayrev, you are officially ushering in the next day. Once you daven Mayrev, you cannot say Yalav Yavo after that if Mayrev is already the next day. So if you, even if you started during the day of Rosh Chodesh and you continue eating the meal into Matzei Rosh Chodesh, but you daven Mayrev in the middle, that's it. So let's say instead of, this is just Agav, let's say instead of davening Mayrev, you started your meal on Shabbos, you continue into Matzei Shabbos, so you still say Ritzei, right? If you daven Meir, if you can't anymore, but who's davening Meir in the middle of Shal Shudas? Nobody. But here's what you did. Accidentally, you said, Baruch HaMavdu bin Kodesh Lechol. If for whatever reason you said, Baruch HaMavdu bin Kodesh Lechol, it might have separated, uh, it, that might have severed it. Then if you bench after saying, Baruch HaMavdu bin Kodesh Lechol, you do not say Ritzei anymore. It's too late. Okay. Uh, by the way, just completely, Agav, there's a major issue, and uh, anyone who's davened, who's who has had Shalashuddhis with us will know I don't mention anything about it. When you have a situation where Shabbos goes into Rishchodesh, so Rishchodesh starts Matzei Shabbos, so there's always a Shiloh, what do you do for Shalashuddhis? Right? You started your meal on Shabbos. You went into, now what's Rishchodesh? Now what do you do? Generally, you go by the beginning of the meal, so you would just say Ritzei, but on the other hand, it's Rishchodesh now. 
See, so the reason why I never mention it is because the Mishabura brings down three opinions. Basically, some opinions say just Ritzay, some say just Yalviyavo, and some say both. So because they're all three are, are, are opinions, well, there are places that follow one or the other. I'm not going to tell you what to do because basically, however you follow, you definitely have what to rely on. I, I remember just a, as Agaf, I, uh, when I was in Yeshiva, when I was, I was in first year, I was in 12th grade, first year based Medrash, I was probably 17, 18. So they decided they wanted to do a, a, a weekly uh, Torah uh, article where the Bachram writes, you know, Divrei Torah. And pu- pu- publish it in the yeshiva. They called it Tarola Darta, which is a pretentious uh, <laughs> term from the Gemara. It, whatever, I, I can't even go into what it means. But it gets a, it's one of those where it's, you have to be uh, learned enough to even understand the name of it. Whatever. So I was asked to do this small little halacha in the corner. Okay. So the first week that I did a small halacha, they called it Halichos Chaim which I was unhappy about because that was a Sefer Baruch Hanayevsky. But my name is Chaim, so they thought it was cute. So the first halacha that I did was this topic of what happens if Shabbos goes into Rishchaydish because that's what happened that week. Not realizing that that Shabbos people were taking it home and they were going to their shuls and Matzei Shabbos I was getting calls from <laughs> this Rav and that Rav. I don't understand. Why. So that was uh, basically my almost retirement of it. I remember a friend of mine he's like, I called my grandfather asked him what he thought. So I said, who's your grandfather? He said, Rav David Feinstein. I said, oh, okay, that's not good. So we're going to stop that. But the, the kids are Okay, so that's if you start your meal and you go into, into uh, post-Rosh Chodesh. So you start on Rosh Chodesh, you go Matzei Rosh Chodesh, you still bench with Yalav Yavo unless you daven Mayrif. What about the opposite? What if you started before Rosh Chodesh and then went into Rosh Chodesh? So the halacha is, you only say Yal Viyavo if you had bread after Tzesa Kochavim. So let's say two nights ago, you started your meal at 6.30, you went to barbecue, 6.30, and it's not Rosh Chodesh yet. When it gets dark, it's now Rosh Chodesh. The halacha is, you only say Yal Viyavo in benching if you ate bread after Tzesa Kochavim. If you ate bread during twilight, which is from the time of sunset till about 50 minutes, don't do it. You don't say Yal Viyavo. So you only say Yal Viyavo if you ate bread after Tzesa Kochavim. What happens if you ate bread after Mayriv, before Tzesa? I'm not sure. That's why the post can say in such a situation, it's better to just eat bread after Tzesa Kochavim. But if not, I, I would not say Yal Viyavo because we generally go by the beginning of the Suda and over here you started the Suda before. So that's, that's the basic halacha regarding uh, Yal Viyavo in benching. Again, I know it's tedious. I'm sorry? Correct. Because uh, I have bread after Tzitzit Again, it's tedious, but I wanted to put it out there. Now, I'm sorry? So I think it's a suffix. I, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a good shaila. The Paiskim are not really sure what to do about that because it's a very strange thing. Once you dive in Mayrev, you sort of made it the next day, but not regarding all things. You know what I mean? It's like we usually are strict that you made it like the next day. Like I'll give you an example. One thing that a lot of people don't realize coming up in... in uh, about two months, month and a half, two months, the nine days, right? The nine days we don't eat meat. So that starts at nightfall, right? The nightfall of Rosh But if you have in Plag, you can't eat meat anymore from Mayrev. So a lot of times I'll, I'll literally every single year I'll get a call from someone at a Plag minion saying, I'm in the middle of a barbecue. I'm about to dive in Mayrev. If I dive in Mayrev, can I continue eating? The answer is no. Because once you dive in Mayrev, you already made it the next day. But to be lenient and to say Alviyava, I think it's unclear. Therefore, it's better to just have actual bread after Tzesa Kochavim in order to avoid all Shilas. Now, I jotted down six or seven halachas that people don't know about regarding davening on Rosh Chodesh. 
Again, it's not the common stuff. I think we're all familiar with the common things, but these are just a little bit more off the beaten path. So I'm going to mention them. They're just good to know. I think they're interesting. Okay. If you forgot Yalaviyavo, right, the halacha is you have to go back. Right? And if you, for, if you finish davening without saying Yalaviyavo, unless it's Mayriv, you have to repeat the entire Shmonasri on Rosh Chodesh. Now we'll get to Mayriv in a second. Let's say you forgot Yalaviyavo. Okay. You're in the middle of the last bracha, Elikai Nitzar. We had a shir a couple weeks ago that I mentioned that once you finish Sim Shalom and say Yularatzan, you're in the last bracha of Elikai Nitzar, you can answer Kedusha. You can answer Kadush Kadush, Baruch Kavot. You're in the last bracha and you realize, oh, I forgot Yalviyavo. Shoot, I gotta go back. Before you go back, they're already saying Kedusha. Are you allowed to answer with them? Because on the one hand, you're in Elikai Nitzar, which is generally when you're allowed to answer. On the other hand, you are really got to go back. You're sort of like in the middle of davening still. Rav Shloim Zalman Orbach writes, these are both, most of what I'm about to say is from Halicha Shloim. This is Dav Kuf Tazayin. Rav Shloim Zalman says, you're allowed to answer Baruch Kavod and Kadosh Kadosh, meaning we are treat you as if you're in Elikai Nitzar, although you do have to go back. We don't look at it as if you're in the middle of Ritzay. Treat it as you are. Then once you finish Kedusha, go back to Ritzay. Now, what a lot of people don't realize, this is a halacha that's incredibly relevant. Let's say you're in the middle of modem. Modem, sim shalom, elikai nitzar, modem and onward. You realize you forgot to say yalaviyavo. Where do you go back to? So a lot of people make a mistake. They just go back to yalaviyavo. That is not allowed. You have to go back to the beginning of the bracha, ritzay. Yalaviyavo is not the beginning of anything. If you realize, let's say before you said modem, you say hamachzish chinasa litzion, you're about to say modem, you're like, ooh, yalaviyavo. You could just say yalaviyavo there. But once you say modem, you got to go back, not to Yalaviyavo, you got to go back to the beginning of Ritzei, because Yalaviyavo is the middle of a bracha. Rishleim Azam and writes that if you went back to Yalaviyavo instead of Ritzei, you have to repeat Shmoneser. That's what he writes. So if in the middle of modem you go back, but you don't go back to the beginning of Ritzei, you go back to Yalaviyavo and just continue from Yalaviyavo onward, you have to repeat all of Shmoneser. Why? Because he, he describes this as called What you've done is you've altered the way Chazal dictated. Meaning it's not like you made a mistake. You davened a Shmon Esrei without Ritzei, basically. Right, because you went back to Yal Vyavo. So you basically skipped half of a bracha. Anytime you alter Shmon Esrei, we make you repeat. So Shlom Zaman says that you have to actually repeat the entire Shmon Esrei because you missed the first three lines of Ritzei. So it's definitely something to be conscious of that a lot of people do not know if they just go back, oh, Yal Vyavo, go back to Yal Vyavo. No, no, go back to Ritzei. And then put Yal Vyavo in Ritzei. Okay, that was halacha number two. A third halacha, which doesn't seem very relevant, but it's actually, I think, incredibly relevant. Again, today's shir is going to be a little more tedious. I apologize. I have one at the end that's more of a broad shila, but a little more tedious just because you've got to know these things, and, and I want to do them at least once. Um, th- th- this is interesting. Let's say you have, this is more for the men over here, but it, it's, it's Nagea, uh, it has ramifications that are Nagea for everybody. You daven shachris, okay? You realized after you finish shachris, you forgot Yalviyavo. So you got to repeat Shmonesra. Okay. But let's say you're davening without a minion. You're davening at your house. Because when you're at a minion, it's a little bit harder to miss it because they're already going on to Hallel. And it's hard to, it's hard to not realize that it's Rosh Chodesh when you're davening with a minion. But you're, da- you're davening in your basement, which I can't tell you how many times I've gotten calls uh, you know, from someone during Minchan Rosh Chodesh and it was like, it was Rosh Chodesh today? Like, what do I do now? So you do Shachris, Hallel, Mosef, all these things. You finish Shachris, 
take off your tefillin, say Ashrei, Valetzion, Aleinu, and you realize, ooh, I gotta do Yalv Yavu. So the halacha is, first of all, you should put your tefillin back on, but also, Shlomo Zalman writes, you should go to a minion to say the second time. Meaning, if possible, I'm not saying, listen, practically, I mean, who's going to do this? I'm not sure. But, but I'll tell you why this is relevant. If you missed Yal Viavo and you have to repeat Shachris, try to go to a minion to, to hear Shachris, to Daven Shachris, and you should put Tefillin back on. Why? Because Rosh Hashanah writes like this. This is in general, go back to Yeshiva a little bit. This is called the Chakira. Chakira means two ways to perceive things. Let's give you two ways to perceive things. If you Daven without saying Yal Viavo, I'll tell you two different sides of a Shailah. Is it A, as if you didn't daven at all? Or B, you davened, but you missed an integral part. So what's the difference? Says Roshim Zalman, if it's as if you didn't daven at all, meaning in the eyes of Hashem, you did not daven shachris, then you have to put tefillin back on, right? Because you didn't daven shachris with tefillin on. And you have to go to a minion, because you didn't daven shachris with a minion. If it's as if you daven shachris, just missing an integral part, Okay, but you go down in the history books as you daven shachas with the tefillin, you daven shachas with the minion. So okay, no, no, no. So you didn't, you missed a little part. So you fix it up by, by doing a new part. Why is this very, very relevant? So I mentioned this on a Friday night once. I mentioned this on a Friday night once, like this. Let's say you, this happened. Let's say this afternoon, right? You're davening mincha today. We've had two days of shchodesh. Myriv is no longer a Shchodesh. You daven mincha and you forgot Yalaviyavo. You only realized after davening was over when you're about to daven Myriv. What do you do? Do you do two Myrivs or do you not do two Myrivs? What's the question? Generally, when you miss something and you have to repeat davening, if you miss Shachris, you do two minchas. If you miss mincha, you do two Myrivs. But on the other hand, there is no Yalaviyavo by Myriv. So what's the point of me davening a second time if I'm not going to make it up? Meaning, when I miss Shachris this morning and I forgot Yalaviyavo, so I have to do two minchas because there's Yalaviyavo during mincha. So I make up for it. I do two minchas with two Yalaviyavos, one for mincha, second one being a makeup for Shachris, you made up for it. But if you hold that, but if the purpose, what's the purpose of repeating if there's no Yalaviyavo anymore? Meaning, what's the point of me davening two Myrivs if there's no Yalaviyavo? This is Tali in the Shailah. It's a Machlokas Arishonim. This is Tali in the Shailah. If we say that it's as if you did not daven at all, so if I daven mincha without Yalav in the eyes of Hashem, I didn't daven mincha at all. So then I have to do two Myrivs because I didn't daven mincha at all. If, however, it's as if I daven, I'm just missing a certain part, and the purpose of davening a second time is to make up for that part, there is zero purpose of doing that if there's no Yalav during Myrivs. So this shaila of whether it's as if you didn't daven or it's as if you did daven, you're just missing an integral part, has relevance for that shaila. You forgot Yalav Yavo during Mincha, do you do two Myrivs? So how do we paskin? So I'll give you a, a clear rule. Whenever you're not sure what to do by davening, what do we do? Do it again and just have in mind the tefillas nedava. So what we would tell you is you daven Mayrav a second time. This is what you have, you stipulate in your mind before you daven Mayrav. You say to Hashem, if I'm obligated to daven Mayrav a second time as a replacement for Mincha, it should be Mincha. If I'm not obligated, then it should be an optional tefillah. A tefillah is in the place of karbonos. You could bring an optional karbon, additional karbon, a gift, a nedava. So that's what you tell Hashem. Because it's a machlokas, whether I have to daven two Mayrav's, 
because again, it's totally in the shaila of whether it's as if I didn't daven or not. So because it's a shaila of whether I have to daven two myrivs, dive in a second myriv and have in mind to stipulate if I'm obligated, it should be for mincha, and if not, it should be an optional tefillah. However, there's one time you can't do this. It's good to know these things. There is no optional tefillahs on Shabbos. Why? Because you cannot bring an optional carbon on Shabbos. So if let's say this situation happened where Rosh Chodesh was Friday afternoon and Shabbos was not Rosh Chodesh and you daven mincha on Friday afternoon and forgot Yalav Yavo, do you do two Mayrivs on Shabbos? Again, it's Tali in the Shaila. It's a Machlokas Arishonim. If it's as if you didn't daven, you have to do two Mayrivs. If it's as if you did daven but you were missing Yalav Yavo, there's no purpose in doing two Mayrivs because there's no Yalav Yavo for Mayriv anyway. In general, when you're not sure what to do, do an optional tefillah. There is no optional tefillahs on Shabbos, because there's no optional carbonos on Shabbos. And that's why you do nothing. When it's Shabbos, you do nothing. So if this situation happens during the week, you do two myrivs. On Shabbos, on Friday nights, you do nothing. This is just in general to know that whenever you have a situation where you're not sure whether you should daven, during the week you could always, even without asking a shayla, just daven again and have in mind that if you're not obligated, it should be an optional tefillah. There is no such thing of doing that on Shabbos. And therefore, when it comes to Shabbos, you got to check it up. And if you're not sure what to do, don't ask a shayla. But the Rabbanim will tell you not to do anything because Shabbos is not, is not something that you can mess around by having optional tefillahs. You do the first one as myriv, you do the second one and you stipulate, if I'm obligated to do a makeup, this is a makeup for mincha. If I'm not obligated, it's an optional tefillah. You know, you don't say alviyav, it's myriv. You never do the, the makeup, never has, you got to daven a makeup for, for right now. But, but you can't do that on Shabbos because there are no optional tefillahs on Shabbos. Okay. In general, are you allowed to do a tefillah? No. No, there is an opinion of the Gemara of Rav Yochanan that Rav Yochanan used to say, Halavai she'yispal adam kol yom. That Rav Yochanan's opinion was that you could daven as many optional tefillahs as you want. The problem is, nowadays we don't really have kavana anymore. And therefore, our optional tefillahs are not what they used to. So now, it's, it's just, uh, if we do optional tefillahs, the assumption is that we're probably not going to have kavana and we're probably going to just do a lot of brachal vatalas. So what we, we do not do optional mm-hmm. tefillahs unless you're forced to do an optional tefillah. But it's always in the arsenal, if need be. But there is no optional tefillahs on Shabbos. Um, okay, two more halachas about Rosh Chodesh, and then I'll go on to a new topic. Uh, first of all, if a chazin forgot Yalav in his sh- pr- silent Shmonesrei, he doesn't repeat. Right? The halacha is that if you miss Yalav on Yom Tif, all three tefillahs you have to repeat. On Rosh Chodesh, you repeat Shachris, you repeat Mincha, you do not repeat Mayrev. By the way, just to explain why, because it's always good to explain why. Why is it that there is no repeating Mayrev? If you miss Yalav last night, there's no repeating it. I get asked this all the time. Do I repeat? No. What about Yom Tif? Yes. What's the difference? The difference is, if you're supposed to say Yalav Yavu, you got to repeat Davening, right? Like, that should be the rule. That's generally the rule for Yom Tif. That's the rule for, uh, for, for Rosh Chodesh as well. The only reason why you don't repeat Mayrev by Rosh Chodesh is because they never actually had Rosh Chodesh at night. This is more of a technicality. It's, it's an interesting thing. Anyone who's learned Maseches Rosh Hashanah knows, how do you declare Rosh Chodesh? And you see, nowadays we have a calendar. We know when Rosh Chodesh starts. We know when it starts. We know when it ends. In the times of the Beis Hamikdash, they didn't have that. So what did they do? At night, someone would see the new moon, would run to Bezdin, and in the morning, Bezdin would say, today's Rosh Chodesh. Which means they never had Rosh Chodesh at night. Rosh Chodesh always started in the morning because at night, 
it was it was never declared, right? It was only Rish Chodesh when Bezdin declared it Rish Chodesh. I mean, they could potentially have two days of Rish Chodesh. They'll have the second night, but they'll, but the first night of Rish Chodesh they'll never have. They would so so. Therefore, you're going to make them repeat. Why they never had Rish Chodesh at night? And even if they said Yal it was just out of doubt. But you didn't actually have to because it was not declared Rish Chodesh until it was declared in Bezdin, and they declared in Bezdin in the morning. So they actually never had. Like, by the way, it's a crazy thing if you think about it. Like, Rosh Hashanah davening, they would daven Rosh Hashanah night davening with all the kavanas out of doubt. <laughs> because they weren't sure whether it was Rosh Chodesh. So, so the point is, so, it, it, because Rosh, so Rosh Chodesh Mayrev is the only exception to the rule. But every other time you have to say Yalav Yavo, if you forgot, or if you're unsure, you have to repeat. The only exception to the rule is Rosh Chodesh at night. That's why doesn't the second because the point is what, but because you, it's a good point. The answer is because Rosh Chodesh at night it, it became a, not as obligatory because by its nature it's not as obligatory. Even though yes, technically a second one it's the same, but Rosh Chodesh at night it became uh, more lenient. Now one more halacha. So you don't. Well, I mean, if you forgot Hal or Mosef, I mean, if you if it's still daytime, you could say it. But if not. There is no makeup for Musaf. Like if you if you forgot Musaf, there's no like two Myrivs. Musaf doesn't Musaf doesn't work like that. Musaf has its own rules because it's in the place of a carbon exclusively, as opposed to Shachras Mincha Myriv, which was Avram Yisach and Yaakov. Um, it's, it has its own uh, own bylaws. Um, one, one other halacha that I, I think is worth mentioning. So, I've learned over the over the time that um, not all women don't know this, but a lot of women are not aware that there's certain weird rules of the shul that if you bang on the table, the beginning of Shemon Esrei, it means there's something special about davening. That, that's what it means. Uh, my, mother, my mother told me, not just her, but like not her, but, but women had told her that they didn't know that that was a thing. They thought that someone just was like having kavana and banging on the table. If you bang on the table on the men's side, it, no, it's me, it means something is special. <laughs> what was funny was, I remember I once brought one of the chavr here, I brought to Bergman Shul Matze uh, uh, Purim. So Purim, they clap, right? Because Alanisim, Alanisim, Alanisim. Purim was over. He was still hammered. I was sober. So he was hammered. I brought him to Bergman Shul. And, and everyone's about to start Shemon Essay. There's no more special davening. It's Motzei Purim. It's regular Shemon Essay. He made a big clop. And he starts laughing. And everyone's like, all the men are looking around like, and no one can talk because you're middle of Shemon Essay. Everyone's like very confused. Like, and, and, and he just thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. So wh- why is it that we bang on the table and not announce? The reason is, put Mincha aside. The reason is because... On, on Shachris, there's a rule called which means that you're not allowed to make any separation between the bracha of Gal Yisrael and Shmon Esrei. The reason being is because Kalal Yisrael were, were saved from Mitzrayim. We had a Geula in the morning. That's when we left Egypt. Dabra Melech taught us in the Gemara and Brachis that it, you should say the bracha of Gal Yisrael, which talks about the redemption of the Jewish people from Mitzrayim, right into Shmon Esrei. It helps your davening. No separations are allowed. So once you say bracha Hashem, Gal Yisrael, you're not allowed to talk at all. So I can't announce, remember, please say Yalav Yavo, please say Mordechai. You can't talk. So you bang on the table because that's the only way to do it. The truth is, the Mishaburah writes that by Mairiv, you are allowed to announce Yalav Yavo. Now, what's interesting about that is I just mentioned Yalav Yavo at Mayriv on Rosh Chodesh is not even essential, right? If you miss Yalav Yavo at Mayriv, you don't even have to repeat Shemon Esrei. But still the Mishaburah says you're allowed to. Same thing for Alanisim. You'd be allowed to say Alhanisim, even though everyone agrees if you forgot Alanisim and Shemon Esrei, you don't repeat Avani. Why is that? 
So the reason being is because Mayriv is called Tfilos Arvis Rishus, which means that Mayriv is not as obligatory as Shachris. The reason being, by the way, that doesn't mean, Tysus explains in Brachas, it doesn't mean that it's optional as in I could choose not to daven. It just means that out of the three Tfilos, if one of them is going to be pushed aside for uh, a pertinent mitzvah, Mayriv will take the back road as opposed to Shachris and Mincha. The reason being is because Shachris corresponds to a carbon, Mincha corresponds to a carbon, Mayriv corresponds to the burning of fats that they would have in the Beis Amigdash, which was completely optional. If they had extra fats, they would burn that Nadai. Because Mayriv is corresponding to an optional service, therefore it's an optional tefillah. Okay. In addition, the Gemara Brachas tells us they didn't leave Egypt at night. At night, we didn't leave Egypt. Um, we were given permission to leave Egypt, but it wasn't actually leaving Egypt. Therefore, while we do make the brach of Gal Yisrael right into Shemar Eser, we try not to make any separation, it's not as uh, obligatory to do so. And if you want to announce Yalav Yavu, you may do so. Which, by the way, the very fact that you're allowed to make any form of separation between the brach of Gal Yisrael at night, Mayriv, as opposed to Shachris, that permits saying Yalav Yavo, announcing Yalav Yavo. This, by the way, explains that the Gemara already asks, if you just think about it, in Shachris, you go Gal Yisrael right into Shmon Esri. There's nothing in between. Mamish, nothing. Except Hashem Sefasai Tiftach, but that's already part of Shmon Esri. At night, the Gemara asks Akasha, isn't there the brach of Hashkivenu? Right? That's after Gal Yisrael. Hashkivenu is there. So that's a separation. So the Gemara says, no, Hashkivenu is part of Gal Yisrael. Gula Richti, which by the way, just completely agav, why is Hashkivenu part of Gal Yisrael? What does Hashkivenu have to do with the redemption of the Jewish people from Mitzrayim? So Rabbeinu Yonah in the back of the Gemara explains, the Tamir Rabbeinu Yonah, that he says that the brach of Hashkivenu was actually authored by the Jewish people the night of the Seder when they were afraid. Right? You have all these elder Mitzrayim dying, dropping dead. The Jewish people were afraid. We had the Seder, we had faith, but they were nervous, so they davened. They actually authored the brach of Hashkivenu during that time to protect them from the plague of the Makas Becheris, which, by the way, if you actually look at Hashkivenu, it kind of makes sense. It says, you know, remove all plagues. It, it, it makes sense that that was it. So it's part of Gal Yisrael. But if you ever notice, there's, there's Kaddish. Kaddish is a separation. So the answer is it's Mayrif. In addition, uh, I don't, you don't, I don't know about you. Svaradim, do you say Baruch Hashem Liolam? The, you say the long tefillah of Baruch Hashem Liolam? You don't. So, Svaradim, Chabad, and the Vilna Gon did not say a long tefillah of Baruch Hashem Liolam. Ashkenazim do. So, what, what, where is that from? So, Baruch Hashem Liolam is a very long tefillah that's said in Mayrav. Where is that from, coming from? So the Rishonim, it was an institution of the Rishonim, it's not from the Gemara. The reason why, the reason why they say it, Ashkenazim say it, is because they used to daven Mayrav in the fields. And it was very scary to go to a shul. It was even scarier to walk home alone. They wanted everybody to leave shul at the same time. That's why they, they wanted everybody to leave shul at the same time. But what happens is, what's going to happen? People come late, they're going to be running behind. So what they did was added a tefillah of Baruch Hashem Liolam, which like stalls davening. It slows everything down. Also, Baruch Hashem Liolam is a shortened version of Shmon It has like all the 18 brachas in it, if you actually look into it. It was supposed to be like, if you're running super late, you would just say Baruch Hashem Liolam, or you would skip Baruch Hashem Liolam and daven It was in order to sort of make everybody um, uh, leave at the same time. By the way, that's also why they say Baruch Me'en Sheva, Me'en Sheva, Me'en Sheva at Friday night, Mogin Avos, Bidvaro, 
that Baruch Hashem, you know, Kelagada Agibarman, Kainei Shemayim Vaaretz, and the Magen Avos. They did that because everyone went to shul Friday night, and again, people were afraid to leave. That was a way to slow things down, to stall. Which is also why you only say that at a minion that is a minion kavua. Right? You always act at the Shaila. You're davening in a basement, right? You have some ten guys got together, they have my having my ten friends over, we're just gonna daven in my basement, which is not an appropriate thing to do. But people do that, right? Should we say Magin Avos? The answer is no. Why? You only say it at a at a set minion. And according to Moshe Feinstein, you have to have a set minion with a sefer. Why? Because it was only said to slow things down at a proper minion because people were scared to leave home. It was never instituted to dab- when you're davening in someone's basement. I remember by COVID, we davened outside. By the way, three years ago, this Shabbos was the first time we reopened the shul at two minyanim, max capacity, 25%. Because uh, I was listening to a recording of myself in Parshish Kairach three years ago, and, and I said, uh, we're opening the shul, uh, two minyanim, whatever. Um, davened at 7 o'clock, and then it's ridiculous. So, I, Oh no! So I'll, so, I'll, so I'll explain in a second. First of all, maybe they seem they seem like brave people, but I'll get to in a second. But but uh, I also don't say it, so therefore it throws a wrench in the whole thing. But I'll tell you like this: so I, I, during COVID, when I was davening Friday night, I used to have the minion on my porch. Right? We had the porch minion for like three months. I remember people said we should say Mogin Avos. I said no, and they're like, well, we're davening every. I said this is not a minion kavu. This is not my long term solution. I have, once I start saying Mogin Avos, it becomes a thing. This is not a thing. This is going to be a short term until I go back to shul. This is not not a minion kavu. But the point is, so all of these things, so they're Rishonim, so there's a Taisus in Brachas, Taisus, I think it's Daf Yud, Yud or something like that. So Taisus has a kasha. He says, why are we allowed to say Baruch Hashem Olam? That's an added thing between the Brach of Gal Yisrael, it's a hefsik between Geula and So Taisus says it's Mairif. But no, the reason why Svardim, the Gra, and Chabad don't say it is because they say anything that's added, while it, it is Mairiv, you still shouldn't make any separation between the Brach of Gal Yisrael and Shmona Esrei. This was not authored in the Gemara. This is created by the Geonim and the Rishonim after the Gemara. We don't want to say it, so they don't say it. By the way, huh? Kaddish, but I guess they, maybe they feel so. The truth is, to be fair, just to answer that question, Ramosha Feinstein had a minig. It's brought down in a Chuvas River voice Ephraim, which is a Ephraim Greenblatt. I try to do it whenever I'm chazen for Mayrif. Ramosha Feinstein would take three steps back to begin Hishmon Esra, and he was chazen before Kaddish. Why? Because he looked at Kaddish of Mayrif as part of Shmon Esra. So he took three steps back before, before. So that could explain that. The point is, they don't say it because they're going to err on the side of not. That's why there are times throughout the year where there's different minhagim about whether to say it. I will always err on the side of not saying it because the truth is, many Paisim say not to say it in general. It's because of this, the Chabad and the Gro also don't say Vishamru, right? They sing Vishamru Friday night. We don't say Vishamru. It's the same thing. It's an added tefillah that was not instituted by the Anshikhanes Agdola and it's part of, we don't want to add it as a separation. I think Svardim say it, Svardim do say it, some Svardim maybe not, but, but Chabad and, and Gura don't. I remember there was uh, the fir- one of the first Friday nights at the old Hashim we had like 11 people, and uh, there were like seven Chabad guys and then four Groniks, and I was Chazin, and I look around, no one's singing it. I had to sing it, even though nobody in the show, because that's the Minigas part. But the point is like this, so going back over here, why am I talking about all this? I started with a point. The Mishabura says you could announce Yala Yavo, even though... We don't make a separation, but because the whole thing, it's myriv, arvis is rishus, you could be lenient to say it. That being said, the minig of Chabad and the Kafa and Revavadia says the minig of Yushalayim is they don't announce Yalaviyavo at night or Alanisim. They will not make the announcement, they will just clop. And what they'll do is that when the Chazin gets to Yalaviyavo in his private Shemanas, he'll say Yalaviyavo. 
he'll do the yav yav. He'll he'll say those two words a little bit louder to avoid the the potential hefsik of saying yav uh, yav before. I could tell you like this. I just clap. The truth is, there's a sheet of the chazanish. I'll just mention the sheet of the chazanish. So basically, you have two approaches for my rib. You either it's three approaches. You either just clap and just hopefully everyone figures it out. If you're in a shul that you don't think everybody's going to figure it out, you have two choices. You could follow the Mishaburah, which is to say Yalviyava, which I don't think is a bad assumption. By the way, the same thing for Saint Bracha, the Saint Talmata. There are times where we start things at night, so it's not a, it's not a bad thing to to, to announce it. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, again all these options. You have the minute Chabad is they they they, they clap. The minute Yerushalayim they clap, and then the Chazan says Yalviyava when he does his private Shmona I will say this though: there's a teaching of the Chazanish. The stifler brings down from the Chazanish. A lot of times you'll see it. There are men. I can't imagine the women do this, but I don't have in the women's section. But there are men that definitely do this. That they make it their calling card that they want to be the first one to say Yalviyava out loud to the point where they're saying Yalviyava when I'm in Atikadosh. But the but the truth is, and everybody says, the truth is, the Chazanish was very against the Arishonim that talk about it, but the Chazanish was not a fan of it. He used to say, imagine you're having a conversation with somebody, and you're whispering because that's how the method of the conversation was. And then just two words, you yell out loud. That's ridiculous. That's not a proper way to have a conversation. So the Chazanish felt that the whole method of Shemun is meant to be quiet. That's just how Chazal decided. And therefore, to say two words out loud, he felt that that was an inappropriate. He felt that it was making a mockery of davening, and therefore it's one thing for one, two people to do it, but for like the you have chirping throughout the whole minion. Everybody's saying I, I, I You don't have to be that guy. There's enough people doing it that uh, everyone here you could not say it, and, and you, everyone will be fine. Um, so I, I just want to mention, if if you don't mind, just two three more minutes. I want to mention one shiloh that's not related to all this, just because it's a shiloh that I came up on Shabbos. So someone asked me, what are the drinks that I could make? that I can make Kiddush on Shabbos day or Havdalah Motzei Shabbos. So, so it's like this. Oh, so no. So Friday night, we Paskin, the only thing you can make Kiddush on is grape juice or wine. That's it. If you don't have grape juice or wine, uh, you make it on challah. You make it on challah. You make the Kiddush on challah. Now, the reason why you don't do that Shabbos day is very simple. There is no Nusuch. On Friday night, there's a special bracha for Kiddush. You know, there's a whole bracha. Shabbos day, there's no bracha on Kiddush. We say by Shamru, you don't have to say the Alkane, it's not necessary. Kiddush Shabbos day is Bayer Priyagafen, that's it. Imagine you're making Kiddush on Chalos Shabbos day, you know what it's going to look like? It's going to look like you skipped Kiddush. So you can't make Kiddush on Shabbos day on Chalos, so you're forced to make it on what's called Chamar Medina. Hamar Medina is an option for Shabbos, for Shabbos day, and it's an option for Havdalah. But let me just explain two things. First of all, it is better, almost exclusively, there are some Paiskin, but like the overwhelming majority of Paiskin would tell you it is better to use grape juice or wine. Even if schnapps is available, it's better to use grape juice or wine. For two reasons, right? You have a Kiddush. You go there. There's a, a kiddush. Uh, there's a wine table, and then there's the whiskey, sna- schnapps, tequila, rum, with all these achim. So it is better to make kiddush on wine. I could tell you almost exclusively when rabbanim go to kiddushes, they're going to be making it on wine or grape juice. They are not going to be making it on schnapps, and that's for two reasons. 
Maybe three reasons. First of all, it's not bakavadik for Rabbanim to be drinking hard alcohol in public. But put that aside. Let's say they're, they're more, uh, you know, it's uh, Chabadniks and it's vodka, or they're old school Europeans and they have no problem drinking. Forget that. It's from a halachic perspective. The reason why it's better is for twofold. The Shulchan Aruch, when he describes Hamar Medina, he describes, I'll, I'll describe, Hamar Medina are drinks that are alternatives to wine or grape juice. But I'll explain what the criteria is in a second. But uh, everyone agrees Hamar Medina is uh, beer and schnapps and whiskey is Hamar Medina. But, but put, put that aside. The Shulchan Aruch describes Hamar Medina as being in a country where there is no wine. There is no wine available. That's when you can go the alternatives. If there is wine available, you have to use wine. That's the proper method of Kiddush. Now, there is a beer alacha. The beer alacha brings down from the Rambam that you could drink, uh, you can make in a Hamar Medina, even if wine's available, as long as the other drinks are more drunk in the city than wine. But the point is, if you go the simple reading, if wine's available, you shouldn't be going to alternatives. Hamar Medina is more bidiyavit. Secondly, and more important, you ever notice that schnapps, they use very small cups. They use a shot glass. I thought, for Kiddush, you need a, a revius. A revius is three to five ounces. So the truth is, the Mishaburu writes that if you're going to make Kiddush on schnapps or vodka, you have to use a full cup. I've seen it. I've seen it. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit uh, aggressive, but th- that's what you're supposed to do. Where does the whole schnapps thing come from? It comes from a B'nai Yisachar, and all the Chassidah Shepoiskim that they say the reason why you're supposed to use three to five gl- ounces for a Kiddush cup, that's from the Gemara, by the way. That's not like from... The Gemara says a, a Revius. Why? Because that's the amount that's considered chashiv for wine. That's the amount that's considered a proper amount. Whiskey has its own amounts, and that's a shot glass. It's an interesting svara. It's not universally accepted. So for these two reasons, I would always use wine or grape juice. But let's say you have a situation where there is no wine or grape juice available. What are alternatives? So I can tell you like this. Beer, for sure, is yes. Whiskey, schnapps, rum, vodka, tequila, yes. For sure, yes. What about other drinks? So I'll tell you like this. There's two basic interpretations of how you define Chamar Medina. The Chida, which is not the accepted approach, the Chida says you have to have alcohol. It has to have alcoholic properties. So that's beer, schnapps, and he also said milk. Why milk was it? Because <laughs> the Gemara says, the Gemara says that if a Kayan drinks milk, he can't serve in the Beis Hamikdash. Why? So Rashi says because the milk has alcoholic properties. So what's going on over here? So the Ragged Chavar says the milk in the times of the Gemara had a shtickle alcohol, but it doesn't anymore. So, but because of this, Rabbi Olbam told me Lahalacha that if a chassan, right, why is a chassan not, he fasts the day of his wedding, by Ashkenazim, Sephardim they don't, but Ashkenazim, they fast the day of their wedding, why? So there's two reasons, first of all, uh, the, the, the day of the wedding, they're forgiven like Yom Kippur, so you fast on Yom Kippur, but the other reason is very simple, people get nervous, and if they're allowed to eat or drink, they'll get hammered, and you can't mekadosh anisha when you're drunk. So in order to avoid that, but what happens if it's Rosh There is no fasting on Rosh you're not allowed to fast on Rosh so the chassan and kala eat. But the, Rabbi Olbam told me that you should tell people that they have to make sure, obviously, to avoid alcohol. And he said, avoid milk also, because of this Gemara. I'll tell you like this, Rosalavechik used to say, what do you mean, what alcohol is there in milk? He says, of course there's no alcohol in milk. Rosalavechik used to say, the reason why a Kayan can't serve in the Beis after he drinks milk is because he's drowsy. Warm milk makes you drowsy. It's not that it has alcohol. It never had alcohol, right? The, re- the way you read the Gemara is that they, their milk used to have alcohol in it. And milk's changed. It's a possibility. Resolvation said it. It never had alcohol. It's just that if you drank it, you became drowsy. But the kids are, 
that's not the accepted approach. The accepted approach is of Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein de- defines Hamar Medina as the following. It's a drink you would serve as a guest to show honor, not to quench the thirst. Right? You're not going to give a Gatorade to, you know, a lady has ladies over for lunch, for a brunch. They're going to sit down and they're going to schmooze. You're not serving them Gatorade. Gatorade you drink if you're thirsty. Soda you drink if you're thirsty. You're not going to be like, ooh, sit down. I have a glass of Dr. Pepper for you. That's not, that's not, that's not. So these are the drinks that are considered chashiv. You sit down, you, you drink and you schmooze. Beer, schnapps, whiskey, um, orange juice. Coffee. Coffee. By the way, orange juice, like it's like a mimosa, right? You sit down, lunch, you brunch, you have orange juice. Coffee, iced coffee, also according to many Paiskin, but the Evid, I had that once uh, when I was in New Hampshire. We forgot the grape juice in the car. There was no Jews, there was no nothing up there. There was nobody, I couldn't, all the wine was the Ayin Nesach. There was nothing, I had no, no drinks, Bechlal. I had iced coffee from Duncan. So that was my kiddush. My kiddush was on iced coffee. So iced coffee, tea, um, orange juice. Am I missing anything? Uh, milk, beer, scotch. Oh, I'm just, because the place can mention that as an opportunity, as a possibility, because again, that's not a drink. You're not going to serve it to people like, oh, you're thirsty? Let me give you a glass of orange juice. That people maybe would serve orange juice like you're sitting around, like a brunch. Add some, uh, you add some alcohol into it, but even without the alcohol, they would sip it. It would be like a, a guest that you would, you would maybe serve a hush of a person orange juice, at least in the times of the Paiskin. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the other juices as well. Apple juice, perhaps, is a machlaikis. Yeah, listen, if, 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 that, if enough people drink, I don't know. And I think you do have to have it a drink that people do drink on a regular basis. I don't know. I'm, I don't drink pomegranate juice enough. The Paiskin, I can tell you what the Paiskin say. Orange juice, iced coffee, beer, milk, uh, schnapps. Outside of that, uh, I, I, I would be comfortable. But for that, that's, that's a permissible alternative. Uh, beer and scotch are way better than the others. But if you're stuck, then you have iced coffee, uh, uh, milk, and orange juice as an alternative, and tea as an alternative for Shabbos Day Kiddush and Havdalah if you're stuck. I, I want to make that clear. While, I, while the Mishaburah does question the validity of making Kiddush on a shot glass, that is the minig of Klal Yisrael. So I'm not going to go against the minig of Klal Yisrael. And I'm also not going to tell people to make kiddish on five ounces of alcohol because I'm not into alcohol b'chlal and definitely five ounces is a bit too much. But um, maybe that's why it's better to just make it on other things. But if you are, you have what to rely on. That's the minig of Klal Yisrael. It's just it's a little bit of a questionable, uh, you know, makar uh, for it. Say that. I'll tell you, the only thing I have seen is about people specifically doing it on schnapps as opposed to wine is if you hold that schnapps is a chamar medina, even when wine's available, and you don't like the taste of wine and you very much prefer schnapps, okay, it's a, it's, it's a potential possibility. But if you hold like the classic way of reading the Shulchan Aruch, that it's only a chamar medina if there's no wine available, then it wouldn't be an alternative. And also, if you like the taste of wine, then it also wouldn't be alternative. You would have to have both those things together. I'm not aware of a different one. I'm sure maybe Kabbalistically there's something else, but I can tell you from the Paiskim, the only time to make schnapps if wine's available is if you perceive Chamar Medina even if wine's available and you prefer schnapps way more than wine. You don't like the taste of wine or you really prefer schnapps, okay, it's something. But if not, I, I'm definitely making on wine. It's uh, definitely more chashev. I'll just end with this. If you make Kiddush in shul, do you have to repeat Kiddush when you get home? Uh, I don't know if that's you're asking, but it just reminded me of it. The truth is, no, you, you don't, because the whole premise is, maybe we'll talk about this next time, it's Kiddush Makam Suda. I mean, if you had Kiddush, and then you had your Suda, the Suda is Mizonos. The reason why people make Kiddush again when they get home is because according to the Grah, you're only allowed to make Kiddush if you wash. 
So you have to, so according to the Grah, when you're having Kiddush and having cakes and crackers, it's Asr to do that. So when you get home, you have to make Kiddush because you didn't make Kiddush before. Now that's a little bit funny because, I mean, we're obviously not holding like the Grah, but if, you, if you're Machbid like the Grah, that is only Kiddush Makam Suda by Chala, then you had to make Kiddush before, so you have to make Kiddush again. But if you actually hold it, you already made Kiddush. There's no requirement to make Kiddush a second time unless you're being mighty someone who didn't eat yet.